and uh, looking to kind of get into this topic here, look at another character this evening, John in chapter 20. We're going to look at verse 1 uh, to begin with, then we're going to skip down to verse 11, John chapter 20, and then we'll read verses 11 through 15. John 20, verse 1, the Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, uh, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. That pretty well rules out your sunrise services right there now, doesn't it? Verse 11, the Bible says, But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and, and she wept, and she stooped down, and looked uh, into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, uh, at, uh, the one at the, at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. When, he, when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. We run more verse, verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith, saith unto him, Rabboni, that is to say, Master. So here is Mary Magdalene, a woman who the Lord Jesus Christ has saved. Last week we spoke about Rufus's mother. This week I want to speak on this dear lady by the name of Mary, Mary of, of Magdalene, where is she from, Mary Magdalene, uh, a woman that the Lord saved. And she becomes in the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ a picture of loyalty, a picture of loyalty. And, and she's the first one at the tomb. She arrives there early in the morning while it is yet dark. And, and uh, you know, the Lord had already risen from the grave. We know that the Lord came up uh, around sundown or 6 p.m., which way you want to look at it, on a Saturday night. That's how we get three days, three nights uh, in the tomb. Yes, the beginning of Sunday or the first day of the week uh, would be at sundown, according to the Jewish calculation of time. But nonetheless, Jesus Christ didn't rise from the grave when the sun came up on Sunday. He had been up and arose uh, for at least 12 hours, amen. We have proof in the text here how it's so misunderstood. I have no earthly idea. Just read the scriptures. But one would have to ask themselves, why is so dedicated? Why is Mary sold out? Why is she so committed to and for the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, ask yourself this today. Are you as committed and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ as you see this dear woman, Mary? I mean, three days later, man, she's showing up to the grave. She wants to she wants to bring some uh, some flowers and and some perfume. She wants to come in there. She wants to tend to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she made no bones about it. She's weeping and crying because his body's gone. The temple, the, the tomb is open. This Mary's a Jewish woman. She's from a fishing town called Magdala, and it's on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Her name is mentioned twelve times in the Gospels. Now you know what is. You know what is important about that? You know what's actually funny about that? Her name being mentioned 12 times in the Gospels? That's more than any of the other apostles. Her name is mentioned more times than any of the other apostles. I mean, here's a lady. Mark, Mark and Luke record uh, the healing of the devils, the healing from the demons in Mary's life and their gospel accounts. And, and really for a picture of what it must have been like uh, for Mary uh, to suffer through this in the first century. Imagine the shame of being devil-possessed, the shame of being linked to the physical and the, and the physiological illnesses and the psychological damage that was caused by a devil possession, man. 
She was a battered and bruised and injured and in agony uh, from the suffering demon possession that entailed in her life. Mary would have lost all control, her dignity, and along with everything she knew in her previous life. Guys, beauty and, and, and wealth would, would not spare her from the, the evil that assailed and attacked her every hour and every day from being possessed. Matter of fact, you know, there are seven devils. Now, seven in the Bible, guys, is a, is a number of completion. And what you need to understand is that, is that she was being attacked every single hour, every single minute, every single moment of her life by these devils that possessed her. But according to Del Mastro, seven is a mystic number suggesting completeness, implying that when the evil spirits dominated Mary, the sufferings were extremely severe. So because of that number of completion, even in the mystic world, we see that the devils would have been extremely causing suffering to Mary's life. But Mary Magdalene, once she was saved, once she was rid of these devils, we find that she was highly involved. She was greatly involved in the earthly ministry of Jesus. I want you to turn over to the book of Luke with me real quick. Luke in chapter 8. Just turn over there with me real quick this evening. Luke in chapter 8. It will not be on the screen. I want you to turn in your Bibles tonight. We're just going to look at two verses real quick. Luke in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. This is Luke's account of this dear lady and shows how she gave how she ministered, you know, out of her, her substance. Verse 1 here says, And it came to pass afterward and, uh, that he went throughout this every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were, were with him. And a certain woman, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of uh, whom went seven devils. And then, of course, there's a, a great list. If you look down at the bottom of verse 3, and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others. Now watch this. Which ministered unto him of their substance. What does that mean, guys? It's a simple statement that these dear ladies ministered unto the Lord Jesus Christ of their substance, the financial, the food, the material support, the resources that was provided as part of support for Jesus' ministry in the, on this earth. And, and Luke's gospel account suggests that, that Mary may have been someone who was quite wealthy. All women of the Bible um, states and defines, uh, disti- defines the meaning of Magdala as a tower or a castle. So it may have been that, that the Magdalene, if you will, uh, was connected with the industry of the town for it, for it does seem as she was not without means. It doesn't seem as if she was uh, uh, someone who was, uh, you know, of a low stature, a status, or low status in this life. And, uh, but how damaging it must have been to be struck with these seven devils, if you will, regardless of her place in society. Uh, guys, it, 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 does, it does help us understand what fueled her generosity and her dedication Given what she had to Jesus' ministry after she was freed of the ailment that she suffered for so long. Now, there has been a multitude upon a multitude of lies and slander that I'm not even going to entertain by uh, mentioning tonight, but it will give a supporting verse. There's been multitudes of lies and slander uh, have made it way throughout history concerning uh, Jesus Christ trying to tear him down, his gospel, the glorious act of, of, of salvation, and including... This dear lady, Mary Magdalene. I mean, horrible things that people have concocted in their mind. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and say this to you tonight, and for everyone who's listening now or maybe listening later on. 
If you come up with an idea that, number one, is not in Scripture, not even hinted in Scripture, and it is of the promiscuous or the perversive nature, I'm going to go ahead and make it clear tonight, you're a pervert, and you need to get yourself right. Okay? Let's just make that clear, all right? If, if your mind ventures off into that area, you're a pervert, and you need to get right with God. Amen? And quit butchering the gospel of Jesus Christ, his testimony, and this precious woman that God saved who is so intricate in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Look at where Matthew 28. It's nothing new, guys. Nothing new. We know that lies and slanders have always made its way around uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew in chapter 28, final chapter in Matthew's gospel. Look about midway down, verse 11. Verse 11. The Bible says, Now when they were going, behold, some of, uh, uh, some of the... Of the watch came into the city and showed her the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, that they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And, and, it, and if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day, until this day. You know, guys, so isn't there always money associated with some type of lie? Amen. I mean, really and truly, when you get to, when you get to the bottom line of why people attack the Word of God, uh, they pervert the Word of God, they teach heresy, they, they, the false cults. I, mean, I had mentioned the, uh, the group earlier about the, the disfellowshipping crowd, the, the church that we knew and uh, how they always disfellowship in someone, and they'd pull this scripture out and twist it up in a knot, and, and none of the members of the church can talk to that person because now they don't want to go to that church any longer. And, and it's just, just nothing more, nothing less than just a simple cult. That's all they are. And even though they're a function in the name of Jesus, they were a cult, bottom line. And they hurt many, many, many people, loads of people, this place did. But I'm saying that to say this, at the end of the day, you can bet your bottom pound tonight that there is money associated with something. And it was. Of course, it was the so-called pastor of the church milking people, fleecing the flock. But the wicked have always lied about the Lord. They've always lied about his church. They lied about his death. They lied about his burial. They lied about his resurrection. So we shouldn't be surprised that the wicked would lie and masquerade about the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would lie and they would masquerade uh, uh, the truth, if you will. But they would lie about even this dear woman, okay? And many of you know what I'm, I'm referring to. Like I said, I'm not going to soil your ears tonight with what, uh, what lies people have told about Mary. So here we have Mary, and among her many qualities, guys, we can look at and apply into our life. I've chosen three this evening for us to look at real quickly. And the first being one of the, the ones that we saw in our, our opening text here in John chapter 20. We find that Mary, Mary is a woman of great grief. She was a woman of great grief. And, and I think this is important for us to look at and understand. John chapter 20, and look at verse 13 and 15. John 20, verses 13 and 15 in your Bibles. The Bible says, And they say unto her, My woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest, uh, whom seekest thou? She supposed him to be the gardener. Saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. So notice, guys, that she's, she's not only concerned with herself, and not only concerned with her own well-being, her own safety, but guys, she's concerned about the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, 
her heart ached uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. It ached to have his body. And it's, it's, uh, it's similar to, to what the body has uh, when you fast, during fasting. Uh, we find this illustration in the book of Mark, Mark 2, verses 18 through 20. Says the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto you, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said, said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, then shall they fast in those days. Now, the context of that right there, of that verse, that's actually a subtext verse. The context of that verse was the Pharisees and their long robes and their dangly little this and all the things they would wear. Uh, when they would fast, okay, they would go through the town and they would make these faces and, oh, look how pain, pain, how much pain I'm in because I'm fasting and I'm doing this and that. Guys, can I say this about the fasting tonight? If you want to fast, crack on with fasting, all right? I'm not going to ever tell you not to fast. But fasting's done in private. The moment you say, I'm fasting. You may as well stop. The, these assigned fasts that these pagan religions have, we're all going to fast during this month for 40 days. That's an absolute joke, man. They ain't fasting. They, all, they're not, all they're doing is not eating during sunup. That ain't fasting. Amen? That's a joke. And they sleep most of the time during those periods anyway. So it's just, it's just a lie, guys. It's just a lie. If you fast, you do it privately. You do it privately. You do it in the quietness of your own home and your own life, and you don't go around telling anyone. Jesus Christ rebuked the Pharisees for that very thing. So now we're, when they're trying to attack him concerning the fasting, Jesus is saying, how can they fast? I'm here. There's going to come a time when I'm away, and they're going to hurt. They're going to fast for me. So guys, when you fast and you know what it's like to you hunger and you desire that food, okay, it's a very similar situation that Mary's experiencing here with her grief to be with Jesus Christ. And I wonder tonight, as she longed to be with Jesus Christ, should not we have the same desire, the same longing, the same broken heart over the absence of the Lord's body? Beloved, this is, the, this is called the doctrine of the imminency of Christ, uh, the heightened expectation of Christ's return. Titus in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, guys, many will say that they believe the Lord Jesus Christ is or could come back in the air any minute. Right? But the proof is, the, bro the proof in, in how much you believe that is the fact of how you live that. Amen? I remember my parents used to say, you know, hey, uh, when I was a little kid, you know, they'd say, Billy, where, you wanna, where do you want to be when the Lord comes back? You know, they were against going to movies and whatnot. And, and when I became a teenager, we'd go to, you know, go see a film or something. And, and I'd walk out the door and they'd make that comment. They'd say, hey. Better hope the Lord doesn't come back. I didn't know anything about what they were talking about, to be honest with you, at that time. Uh, I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't know anything about him coming back. And, and, uh, but they'd say, you know, where do you want to be? You want to be in that, in that movie house when Jesus comes back? I tell you where I don't want to be. I don't want to be not where I belong. Amen? I'll just leave that one there and park it there for a little while. Read Titus 2 again. Just look at it on the screen, guys. What is it? What is it? How do we live? How we live 
reveals if we are longing for Jesus to come back. Are we denying ungodliness? Are we denying worldly lust? Are we living soberly? Are we living righteously? Are we living godly? And it says in this present world, that's today, right here, right now. How we live is how it reveals to everyone else whether or not we believe Jesus Christ could actually come back. Remember Paul says, then we which are alive and remain. That's the intimacy of Christ. Even in Paul's life, even in his life, having been saved by the time he wrote that letter, about 20 years, not even 20, yeah, about 15 years when he writes that. He says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds and forever we will be with the Lord. First letter he writes, First Thessalonians, right? <laughs> we, he said, we. He believed in the intimacy of Christ and he lived that way. What does it say there in Titus? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, we should long to be with our Savior and we should look forward to the day, the hour, the minute that he appears. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Beloved, there is no crown of righteousness without loving the appearing of Jesus Christ. In the air. Hands down. Out of the five crowns, you cannot get, you cannot get the crown of righteousness. If you're not loving the appearing of Jesus Christ. And if you're not looking for it, you're not going to love it. And the only way that you can establish the fact that you're looking for it is to, in this present world, deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly, righteously, and godly. That's what Mary was doing. She was a woman of great grief because she wanted to be with Jesus. Mary's heart was hurting. I want to give you an illustration here, if you will, and I, I don't mean to take up more uh, time than needs be this evening, but flip over to Romans chapter 8. I want to give you just a quick illustration of really and truly how Mary felt, how what she was experiencing. She was longing to be with her Savior, and the Savior who cleansed her from her past placed her into a present position of eternal security. In Romans chapter 8, this is what we find that her grief would have been likened unto. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 Paul says here, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Uh, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know uh, that the whole creation, now watch this, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we uh, ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So Paul's refer when he says all creation, everything, earth, sea, the sky, outer space, galaxies, groaneth. Why? Because it's been made subject to sin by the fall of man, yeah? And it has this desire to be delivered from that curse. It can't be delivered from that curse till Christ comes back. We can't be delivered from this bondage of this world in the old man until Christ comes back in the air. 
when Christ comes back the second time with us in the armies of heaven with him, that the, that's when the heavens and the earth will melt with a fervent heat that we read about in 2 Peter 3.10. That's when the sin curse is lifted and the millennial kingdom is set up on this earth, the thousand year reign of Christ uh, here on this earth. But there's a desire to be delivered, guys. Her grief is likened unto the groaning that we should experience while it's on this earth. And not misery, but a groaning to be delivered. Read 2 Corinthians from up top, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desire to be clothed upon our, uh, with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That earnest is the down payment of the Holy Spirit of God. He's inside of us now, this, this tabernacle, in this body. And our desire should be not to be unclothed, but to be clothed with the body of Christ. Do you want to make sense? That glorified body. To be changed. So that corruption shall put on uh, incorruption. Uh, so that this mortal shall put on immortality. That's the groaning and that's the grief that Mary is experiencing. She's experiencing this desire to be with Jesus, beloved. Do you groan tonight? Do you grieve to be with the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your heart ache at times and long to be united with your Savior, the one that loved you more than anybody on this planet, has or will love you? Yes, guys, we should be earthly minded. I mean, earthly mindful, but not earthly minded. We should be present thinking, but not present distracted. We should be actively laboring, but not without attentive longing for our Lord. The first characteristic we see with Mary, guys, should cause us to reflect on, on what we truly grieve about. What are our desires? What do we long for? What is our intentions, our heart? Where is our direction tonight? Are we looking forward? Are we where our feet are? Or are we looking back and living in, in a world that has already gone past that you can do nothing about? You know, the only, the only thing that drove Mary well, that desire to be with Christ, the grief of losing him. She just wanted to be with Jesus. That's why she showed up at that tomb that early in the morning. She was not only a woman of great grief, but guys, she was a woman of great giving. Great giving. We've already read Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, where we saw that she gave out of her, uh, her substance that those ladies did in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we touched on that earlier and how they ministered unto him out of their, some of their finances, their food, material support. And this should not be foreign to a Christian. I, as a preacher, should not have to pound it into your head that you should be given not only right and accurately and biblically, amen, but given period. That I, you, I shouldn't have to do that. Guys, you've been here long enough. I've educated you. I mean, again, if you can't figure out 10% bottom line, then we got other problems. Amen. It ain't hard. You got a calculator on your phone. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be a foreign idea to the Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have uh, given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. This should be a natural response. You say, well, as the Lord prospered you, I thought you said 10%. Man, you're just giving God's tithe. You're just not stealing from him, okay? 
when you give 10% of, of how God has prospered you, you're just giving back to him what's already his. You understand? You give how he's prospered you. Amen? That means above and beyond 10%. It's not rocket science, you know? It's a natural response to a believer. It's a natural response to give. The giving of your talent, your time, your treasure. We should never, guys, we are never going to outgive God. And God will never be a man's debtor. He has and he always will be faithful to us. Jesus Christ said this. Uh, he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, shall men uh, give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Chick-fil-A, a a fast food restaurant in the States, is a prime example of this. Okay? They have, number one, the best customer service of any fast food restaurant on the planet. Good quality people, kind, nice. I mean, there's all kinds of, of memes online about how uh, above and beyond, they'll go. They'll run in people down the street trying to give their order. It's a great joke. But they're a Christian-owned company. They are not open on a Sunday. Okay? And people sit back going, how in the world can someone function and not, work, and not being open on a Sunday? Well, they've proven it. Not only do they have good food, comparative, I mean, for fa- as, you know, concerning fast food, that is. They have great values. And they do more in six days than any of the other places do in seven. And on top of that, technically they have less stores throughout the country. Anytime you go by these places in the drive-thru, okay? And I mean drive, it's more like the sit-through, all right? There's like three and four lanes, and they're wrapped around the building, and they have the, they have the little workers out there taking your order on the iPad, doing this and doing it. I mean, a lot of times, before you even get to the window, your order's coming, you just pull on out. That's the way it is. I mean, but I'm saying that to make this point. You are not going to outgive God. Press down. Out of mess. He will give you more than you could ever imagine. If you be a person of giving, she, guys, it, it should be easy. And for Mary, she developed the commitment of giving. She listened and learned from Jesus Christ. He didn't need her substance in the grand scheme of things, but she needed to give it. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, But this I say, uh, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loveth a cheerful giver. I'm saying that, guys, to make the point of taking on the characteristics of this dear woman, Mary. She was a giver, and it was given back to her tenfold. Cast thy bread upon the water, and thou shalt find it after many days. Amen? Now, some of you guys are still going to try to tip God. And you're going to wonder why your bills are tied at the end of the month. You're going to wonder why you can't do this and you can't do that. And you're not going to, you wonder why you're just stretching every little penny down the road. Because you're stealing from God. Guys, I had this conversation with, uh, well, I've had this conversation with all my children uh, time and time again. I said, God's going to get his, man. You're going to pay it one way or another. You're either going to pay it through the local New Testament church the Bible way, or you're going to pay it in the bills way. One way or another, you ain't keeping it, okay? And I have watched men and women give so graciously to God, and God turn back around and reward their life in ways that you cannot imagine. It's just being obedient. Mary was a woman of great giving. She was a woman of great gift, of grief. But why was it so easy for Mary to give? You ever thought about this? 
Well, why do you think it was so easy for her to give? I want you to turn back to Luke this time. We'll only read one verse, Luke chapter 8. It was so easy for her to give because she was a woman of great gratitude. I believe that's quite timely given that Thursday or tomorrow is Thanksgiving in the United States as well as uh, in Morgantown, halfway up the street. We're going to have Thanksgiving tomorrow, amen? And I'm looking forward to that. But she was a woman of great gratitude. You know, guys, I don't think gratitude is preached on enough today. You know, we're going to have a prayer meeting here in probably about 10 minutes. And when we have prayer meeting, I wonder how much of our prayers are going to be associated with what we can get, or sometimes can we just... You know, I remember Bob Campbell, Denise, I don't know if you remember this, We've been married 25 years. Bob Campbell preached this message, one of his first sermons he probably ever preached. Uh, it wasn't dynamic. It wasn't entertaining. Uh, it, it was simple and straight to the point. Probably 23, 24 years ago, he preached this message. Bless his heart, Bob, is, Bob passed away this year of, of brain cancer. He was a good man, great, good family, uh, moved out to Colorado and pastored the church out there. But one of the first few sermons that he ever preached was about, and he said, he said this in the sermon, when's the last time you just came down to the altar and you just thanked God? You didn't ask him for anything. You didn't give a list. And I'm not saying, guys, you know, we need, you ask, you heard me say this the other day, you're not going to get it if you don't ask, but when's the last time we just came to God and says, man, thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you for food. Thank you for my family. Thank you for fellowship. Amen. Heart of gratitude. Mary had, a, she was a woman of great gratitude. And one of the reasons we know that, verse 2 of Luke chapter 8, says that a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Mary's heart was knit to the Lord Jesus Christ because she knew what she had been through. She knew who she used to be, who she was. She knew uh, the, the bondage of her misery at one time. And she knew that it was Jesus Christ who set her free. Therefore, her heart was full of gratefulness, full of gratitude. Not just a fly-by thank you, but a heart filled with gratitude toward the one who saved her. You know, turn to a couple chapters over. Go to Luke chapter 12 now, just real quick with me, guys. Bear with me here. We're just about finished. Luke chapter 12, I want you to see the Lord's teaching here. It may tie with you a little bit, it may not. Luke 12, read, read verses 48, I mean 42 through 48. It says, The Lord said, Who then is that, that faithful and wise uh, steward, who his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them the, their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that, sermon, that servant uh, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler of all that he has. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to meet the men's servants and maidens, and, and to eat and drink and be drunken, and the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. 
See, Mary's heart was filled with gratitude because she was delivered from so much more. Her heart was there and committed with giving and even through great grief of longing to be with Jesus Christ. When she got saved, I mean, guys, you've got to think about it. When, when you recognize the dire need of salvation, when you are saved, then, uh, then uh, you're, you're, you, uh, this burden, this call, you're commanded. And it's all required. And Dudustro, instructed by the Word of God, and it should be a natural response of gratitude. When you see what you've been delivered from, I'm not even just talking about the, the lake of fire and the punishment of, of condemnation. Okay, that's the eternal weight and glory, and that's the eternal deliverance. And man, we should give, our, we should give everything, our whole heart of gratitude to God just for saving our soul, even if we didn't get anything on this life. But Mary wasn't just delivered from an eternal damnation. Man, she was delivered from an impersonal affliction that she suffered for who knows how long. Man, she knew that. She had a heart of gratitude. One of the healthiest traits a person can have is thankfulness. It's gratitude. It has great ties to your brain. It's the reason why gratitude is so impactful to health and, and well-being. It all begins with the brain. Gratitude activates uh, the hypothalamus as as well, with, it has a downstream effects to our metabolism, our stress, and, and various behaviors, guys. The hormones that are responsible for critical functions, such as the body, uh, temperature, emotional response, survival functions like appetite and sleep, all are associated with our gratitude in our life. One of the neurochemicals associated with this part of the brain effect, affected by gratitude is called dopamine. It's the pleasure hormone. You know when you tick that box? I don't know, I'm a, I'm a box ticker. I, I work off a, a list, and, and man, when I, when I complete a task, I tick the box. You know why I tick that box? Because that hypothalamus fires up, and it gives me a shot of dopamine in my brain. I'm like, whoo, here we go. I've accomplished something. It's much of the, the book, and the, the admiral that wrote the book, Make Your Bed, from his speech that he gave in the, in, in the university that time. Uh, it, it, you've accomplished something, Okay. One doctor says that work out early in the morning. Work out because if your day starts to go bad, you've accomplished something. And the brain, the, that gratitude inside your brain, that dopamine is firing. And, you know, you still have accomplished something that day, even if everything else goes south. Gratitude can overcome grief. Gratitude can bring the element of giving into your life. Gratitude, gratitude guys, will aid the success of our heart and our lives and our days. So Mary had this characteristic trait. She had many of them. She was committed. She was dedicated. She is a picture of ultimate loyalty today, this Mary Magdalene, a picture of loyalty. She was a woman of great grief, but she longed to be with our Savior. And I'll ask you tonight, I'm not asking if you're grieving, not asking if you're going through suffering and pain, but I am asking you this, do you long to be with your Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Are you looking for his appearing? Are you loving his appearing? Are you today a, a, a person that's willing to give your time, your treasure, and your talents to the Lord Jesus Christ? Not holding back, not grudgingly, but a cheerful giver. Are you today a person of gratitude? Because that's going to establish your walk. And that's the characteristic trait that we take on board by Mary Magdalene, a woman who is a picture of loyalty. We bow your heads tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, for who and what you are, for what you've given us, the blessings you've allowed us to have, the time of being together this evening. I do pray that you would 
Bless the, the, the rest of the service, our time together one with another, our prayer meeting upcoming here shortly. Father, I pray that we would take on board tonight this, uh, this character traits of this dear woman, Mary Magdalene, that you would bless her, Lord, or bless our lives according to what we've seen in her life as well. And let us apply it in our days, and let us apply it in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.